Good morning. This is Chelsea Hello, and you're listening to Foot of the Cross. So, listen, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. We are going to be talking about virginities and how young and how old should we be when we lose it. The way that I see it, teenagers today lose it like they lost their car keys. They don't put enough important standards behind it anymore. They don't look at it as something that is sacred. And it's almost as if they consider it something to get over with so that it's easier later. Or, as I've heard on the street, the word on the street, is that girls are losing their virginities so that they can be ready and be better for the man that they're actually in love with. And that is just sad. And they'll do anything to give their man better pleasure, even if it means cheating. We all know that proms just took place at a lot of high schools all around the world. And let me just say, we know that the big V was lost to a lot of girls that night. However, the other 25% lost it because they wanted to be better for their man. Now, what I want to know is, did the girl still act like she was a virgin when she slept with these guys? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I raised my children to have sex when they got married. My parents raised me to have sex when I got married. Rape led me to want to have sex with somebody else so that I could put the rape behind me. And something similar happened to a close family member of mine. I'm not gonna say who, but it's almost crushed me because I want to protect this person, but there's no way, you know, they're, they're not mine to, uh, tell what to do. They're not mine to, uh, tell what's wrong and right. And they have lived long enough to decide for themselves what decisions to make and what decisions not to make. Now, what I am really proud of is the fact that she has decided that she's going to rewind and tell her boyfriend, look, I still want to be with you. I still have the same feelings for you. You didn't take advantage of me. I wanted it just as much as you did, but it was a mistake because I wanted to wait until I was married and we did it for the wrong reasons. And when we, and if and when we do get married, I wanna do it for the right reasons. I wanna do it specifically because I love you. Not because I wanna put a bad memory in the past. That is exactly how I felt. However, I was in love with the person that I had sex with. Now, does that make it any better? No. It certainly didn't make it any better on him because he was 18 and I was 13. And in America, that is not a legal age. My parents totally could have put him under the bar And a lot of people were actually asking me, are you okay? How are you working through this? Do you need to go see a counselor? Because they totally thought, you know, this was a rape situation. And all the meanwhile, I was asking him for it more than he was. And here's why. Because he wanted to at least wait for the legal age for the parents to give consent, which is... 16 in America. Mom and dads can give consent to teens to have sex at 
16 and probably younger if they actually give permission and the man is younger than 18 but for a young girl to have sex with an adult male at 18 years old they have to be 16 for the parents to give consent my mom chose not to put this young man in jail because he had been a part of the family considered to be part of the family for quite a long time my brother went to high school with him now my brother being who he is he got all soldiered up and he put war paint under his eyes and he shaved his head and he was ready for war he actually wrote the guy a letter and uh i'm not gonna say where but he sliced enough skin on his arm for, to be able to drip blood along the letter so that the guy would take it very seriously that he was definitely after him and that he definitely meant him harm i was horrified of my brother going to jail but at the same time i couldn't see my brother actually doing enough harm for him to go to prison the guy found the note nailed to his apartment door where his grandparents and his mother was living. He stole his uncle's car and he left the state for at least six to nine months. And during that time, I felt so alone because everybody found out about it and it was a complete accident. Not only that, but the rape story that I went ahead and told my parents about of course it didn't seem true it seemed like a made-up story to protect the person that i was having sex with and i can see why they would think that but the fact of it all is is that when and i actually can't remember i was either 11 or 12 no i was 12 it's gonna be 13 and um I've told on one of my episodes how it went, so I'm not going to go through it again. But I was raped by a 17-year-old black male who was fixing to be 18 years old. He had all the um, light bulbs busted out when I arrived at his house. And it wasn't my fault that he raped me, but the conditions that I put myself under, the situation... All of it was completely wrong. The setting was wrong. I snuck out of the house. I went to go and get marijuana with underage friends. You know, um, I wasn't even 13 yet. And here I was not even allowed to ride with my 16-year-old girlfriend that just got her license because my mom did not want me riding around with brand new drivers at the time. She said, at least wait until they're 17 before you go riding around with them. And uh, eventually she changed that rule to, if it's just you and the driver, that's fine. But if there's more than one passenger, it's not fine because then there's more chances of distractions. Let's get back to the point, shall we? Not, on not only that, but we brought her younger brother into it. Okay, so we were a bad influence. Another bad decision that we made was going to a wrong side of town. The plan was to buy the marijuana and to smoke it on the way home, hello, where we could have gotten pulled over. She could have gotten her DUI one week after getting her driver's license and we both could have gotten in trouble for getting an underager a minor stoned at least my friend would have and not only that but me and her brother were only one year apart and we were both minors so she would have gotten in trouble for getting both minors stoned because she was 16 so she would have been considered the young adult that influenced marijuana to both of us. Here's where it gets really crazy, okay? My friend was really, really stoned and couldn't drive, and I actually had a ride home with my rapist. We were in such a bad part of town 
that while I was screaming and he locked my best friend and her brother out, nobody cared that she was even screaming. I mean, that I was even screaming. Nobody called 911. His mom worked an all-night shift at Waffle House. And not only that, but I don't know if you've ever heard of, and they've talked about this on the Late Night Chelsea show, which, believe it or not, I am a fan of, even though I'm a Republican. I like a lot of what she has to say. I like a lot of her values. I like a lot of the things that she stands up for. And she's like me when it comes to politics. If the person that she's voting for agrees with her, then that's who she's going to vote for. If she knows that the person will do more good than harm, then that's who she's going to vote for. And if she doesn't think any of the candidates are going to do crap, then she's not going to vote at all. And that's Chelsea lately. And she is an inspiration of mine. My father would hate me for saying that. He would probably disown me, in fact. I, that night changed me for the rest of my life. I even remember trying to tell myself, you know what? You're a woman now. That experience just changed you from being a young girl to a woman. No, that's not what makes you a woman. What makes you a woman is grieving for what just happened to you. Realizing what just happened to you. Being in shock from what just happened to you. Telling yourself that it's not your fault. Telling yourself that it's his fault, not yours. I couldn't have put myself in the worst situation, but that did not give him the right to steal my virginity. No man has the right to take away a woman's choice of having sex. If you found out today that your 13, 14, or 15 year old daughter was having sex and you thought your daughter this entire time was a virgin, how would you react? I would like to know. Please leave comments on Facebook about this show. Give me your opinions. Or just email me at hellochelsea2017 at gmail.com. That's H A L L O. C-H-E-L-S-E-Y 2017 at gmail.com And under Facebook it's C-H-E-L-S-E-Y E-R-S-E-L-L-E which stands for Ursel and then Hallow, my maiden name H-A-L-L-O Only on my driver's license and everything else do I still use my married name and that's only for my son because After the divorce, he felt like an outcast because my daughter was not biologically Travis's, my husband, but my ex-husband now. So I kept the West name as being my last name, but I used Hallow as my maiden name so that people can tell me apart from other people. And in another way, so that I could claim my own identity back. And it helped me to get through the divorce a lot easier believe it or not by claiming by reclaiming my identity I was able to begin to learn who I was again and it helped me a whole lot more than I thought it would I recommend it to a lot of people you know um I actually have a cousin that did the same thing her husband's last name was Lee and so because she had one kid and that kid was a son and his last name was um, I'm not going to say his first name but his last name is Lee she kept her last name as Lee so that he didn't feel any thing apart from his mother and that's what I did for my son 
my daughter because I wanted nothing to do with her father and because she wanted nothing to do with her father, even to this day, even though she's kind of curious about him. I gave her my maiden name when she was born and I waited until the dad left the room. I asked him to go get me a jello when I was filling out the uh, forms for the social security card and the birth certificate and how it would be spelled out because he wanted me to use Chanel, which was his last name. And uh, I lied to him that day and that's because he was my abuser and I did not. I already knew that I was going to have to, for the next 18 years, see some kind of part of my rapist in my daughter's eyes every single day. And that was hard enough. So giving him, giving her my, his last name would have been very, very tough on me. I received $50 a month in child support. He only had to pay $250 because he claimed that he didn't work, but he worked under the table and he never called the courthouse to say otherwise, to say how much money he was making. He probably thought he would have gone to jail if he told them that he's working under the table, but all he had to do was say, I'm making money here and there and this is how much I'm making and, um, this is my equity, this is what I'm bringing in, you know. I mean, he could have thrown out a number. Didn't have to be a lie, but that's exactly what I'm saying. They wouldn't have dug in, you know, to his finances and whether or not he was filing taxes. They just wanted to know how much money he was making so that they could decide how much he should have to pay me so that it would help take care of my daughter. But instead, and I am so proud of her, she has worked at Taco Bell now for a year. And she has worked so hard that there has been days where she had to miss school because she was so tired from working the night before. I'm going to go ahead and say this because I was not happy about it at all. I think every mother, especially over a minor, has the right to call the daughter or son's boss and if they have any problem at all with the minor schedule, the mother should have some kind of involvement. Now, I can't tell her what position to put my daughter in. But like, for instance, I could tell her if she had health problems as long as, as, long as I could show proof. I could tell her that she had some type of disability as long as I had proof. And therefore, I could also tell her if her hours were getting in the way of her schooling. And this is her senior year, the most important year to shine. Yes, she's already gotten the scholarship. But does that mean that the rest of the school year is a party? No. This was said in confidence. And I asked her, for now on, do not keep my daughter during the week past 11.30. She even said that she would call me back and would love to even maybe have a conversation in person because she wants to make my daughter night manager on the weekends, which I told her that would be a great idea because then I could see her more at home. She'd be paid $17 an hour, which is, in my opinion, a great opportunity for somebody like her because if she were to go into the food business or management and food later on in life during college years she would already have the experience she would need I mean shoot she could manage two to three Taco Bells during college and she would rake in a lot of money to put back for savings on her very first home and use it as an investment. She's already got a scholarship, so school's paid for. But what she doesn't have is a car and a house. And I don't want her moving out, at least for the first year of marriage. So I am trying to put myself in a better home for my family. Right now, we are living with my mom 
on the lake. And in a lot of ways, I haven't regretted it because for a while there, I was able to help her. I was able to help her keep the house clean. My son, being 15 and 6'1", and uh, having been on the wrestling team for a couple years, with his body built, he was able to use the leaf blower, he was able to mow the lawn, he was able to trim the bushes, he was able to get the job done. He was Mama's little helper, Nani's little helper, and Papa Daddy's little helper. And nobody could say boo. He takes the trash. We have a long driveway, but it goes uphill when you take the trash up. And we have two cans that get full every single Wednesday. So he sets them out every Tuesday night. And then when they're dark back off empty, he picks them up every Wednesday morning. Or every Wednesday afternoon when he gets out of school at the latest. I am very proud of my son. Sometimes he'll give you a hard time doing it, but he gets the job done. However, my brother is looking for his own place. He's a trucker, and he's finally to the point where he is able to finally put money aside and save up his own money and get himself his own place. Because I've told you our situation before. We took our shed, we put sheetrock in it, and it was every young man's dream. It wasn't my 40-year-old brother's dream, but it certainly helped him and gave him a place to live after his divorce. But we sheetrocked the the walls, and we put a little bit of a low bar that came, like an L bar, that came down and went to the right and then back up again to hang his clothes on. So he had a closet, sheetrock for the walls, then we carpeted it, painted the walls, allowed him to hang posters, then we put some really nice wooden shelves in there for his DVD collection, etc. A nice rug, an entertainment center, a huge 62-inch flat-screen TV, and then we put a cord. We have a gravel driveway, so we put a cord underneath it because inside of a tin shed, I don't know if you know this, but you're not going to get any signal at all unless you're right next to the door, and you will end up roaming, which will cost you $500 a month if you don't have um, connection inside of the shed and we didn't know that so for the first couple months um, before my brother was there a friend of mine was renting out the place and we allowed the couple to use because they were from they weren't they hadn't lived in Chicago in a while but she met the man in Chicago and she wanted to come back to her roots so she brought him with And I said, y'all can stay with us until you find another place, but then you got to go because it looks like my brother might be moving in with us. And all of a sudden, that tablet costed us $450. And we were like, where are these bills coming from? And it was because they were having to sit up next to the door in order to get any kind of signal. And they would watch Netflix every single night. And that would have been totally okay. But... It roamed the whole entire time. We didn't know that and neither did they. Nobody was actually guilty in that party because they had no idea. And if we had had any idea, of course we would have fixed that problem immediately. But when my brother moved into the shed, like I said, we ran wire underneath it. We put connection on there and voila, you had an apartment. I mean... There's even a little miniature fridge in there, I believe. And we were thinking of even a a miniature microwave. But my son gets it on the weekends. I'm sorry. My son gets it all week. And then my brother gets it on the weekends if he does indeed come home. Anyway, so yes, there has been six people staying at my house. My brother, I mean my father, even got a home on the river. 
because he was hoping to be able to leave this place to me where I can pick up the bills because the home is paid for, but the water, electricity, garbage, lot rent, sorry. It's been tough because in no way, shape, or form, if it was just me and the kids, would the water bill to be $330 a month, okay? But my mom, she was, uh, she was working for this lady, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it because I've never said it on this podcast before, but let's just say that COVID-19 was the worst year of our lives And I am not in any way trying to compare our our experience of COVID-19 to somebody else's experience. Because I can't sit here and tell you about all the tubes that went down my chest so that I could breathe. I can't tell you that I ended up in the emergency room due to COVID-19 at all. If anything, I can tell you some symptoms that I experienced, like loss of smell and tingling in the, in the uh, fingers. And when I tested, when I thought that I actually had it for real, the test came back inconclusive. So I will never know if I actually had it. However, it's not like the chicken pox. It's not like if you get it, you can't get it again. Which, by the way, a lot of naive people actually believe that. There was so many people that I ended up having to correct. I'm like, that is not true. I don't know where you heard that from, but that is so not true. Oh my gosh, you guys, I just spotted a payphone, and I didn't even know that we still had one in Tuscaloosa. I'm in town right now, parked in front of Hobby Lobby, because... Sometimes when I get an idea for an episode, I, I got to do it right then or I'm going to lose it. <laughs> if any of you are artists, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't do it right then, that idea is just going to slip. And yes, you can take notes and stuff, but I never take notes. I never sit down and actually prepare for my episode. I trust in God that he's going to help me know what to say. And so far, it has helped me ever so much. I don't usually use that term. I think it's kind of gay, but... And I don't mean in that kind of (laughs) way. But, I use it this time because it's the truth. It really has helped me a whole lot just to wing it and to leave it to God. So I guess you can call my podcast a free flow podcast. I do not plan on what to say in my episodes at all. I don't write a script out. I don't even sit down and come out with a title first. You know, a lot of times, for instance, with a band, they come out with a title for the band, right? Because that, that title is so important. It's going to tell the audience exactly what, just what type of band that they're going to be. It's going to be self-explanatory, unlike some bands, specifically Corn or Tool. (laughs) Those kind of band names, they don't really explain themselves. You have to ask the people, why did you name that band Tool? Or why did you name that band Corn? But anyway, music is a lot different. They are wild, fun, um, unstable, a lot of energy. And believe it or not, the weirder the title, the more people that are going to listen to them. I know it sounds weird, but that's just how the music industry goes. So they get really lucky when it comes to that. But like with podcasts or movies or radio shows, we don't get that kind of luxury. We have to have a title that is self-explanatory. We have to 
have titles of our shows that is self-explanatory or we will not draw the crowd that we're trying to draw at all and people will maybe give us a shot but then bam that shot is gone and we will never have that chance again to regain and capture that once forever audience that we could have had In my case, I started all of this because I seriously, if I just helped one person, and I know that so many people have said this, but it is the utter complete truth for me. In the warmest, heartfelt way, I've ever believed in anything in my entire life. I've never had so much drive, so much inspiration to want to do something with my life. And I did not, and I am not making fun of the young influencers on the internet today, but I did not want to be the girl that got on the internet and say, hey, buy this first because I bought it. However, I had to do it at first in order for people to kind of get to know me, to kind of get to know who I was. And it did help. People would be like, cute bag, where did you get it? And the place that I go to every day, well, actually, it ended up doing the job that it needed to be done because I ended up influencing people. And what I mean by that is I would go to the place that I go to and (laughs) people would actually have my shirt on or have that purse or have that hoodie and it would influence them. You know? And it just made me feel like, wow, that's that's really cool. But that's not what I'm about. I do love fashion. But I don't want to be that person that tries to tell people what to wear or how to think. However, I do want to be the type of influencer that helps you to know what's good to be putting in your bodies and what's not good to be putting in your bodies and I'm going to go ahead and start off by admitting to you that I almost relapsed this past week I'm not proud of it in fact I'm very ashamed I put myself in the wrong situation possibly with the wrong crowd and I love this chick a lot. I really do. But me and her live in two different worlds. I, when you do a podcast like I do, and when you stand up and say, I'm sober and I want to talk to you about becoming sober, or I want to help you stay sober, or I want to influence you to take the route to becoming sober, That is saying, I want to be a symbol in your life. And in order to be that symbol, you yourself have to stay off of drugs. You can't be seen with other drug addicts, you know, just going to the mall or something. Now, Jesus, he hung out with people that didn't pay their taxes. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with thieves. And he did this for a reason. Number one, he didn't fall into temptation. Okay? That is a number one reason why drug users, I mean, I'm sorry. That is the number one reason why people who are trying to stay off drugs do not need to hang around drug users because of temptation. And you have to tell yourself, you know. I love this person, but if they keep using drugs, 
how important is it for them to stay in my life? And what do they do for me that I need them in my life so bad? Now, if you work for a major company and you know your boss uses drugs, as long as he is not inviting you to his house or trying to get you to do drugs with him, then fine. Stay clear of him. If you have old friends that call you up one day and want to hang out and get high, stay clear of them. And that is what happened to me. Bring to mind that I see a good bit. You know, we're really just now getting to know each other because her brother had a major crush on me and his mother was so sweet. Believe it or not, it was his mom is the one that I had a relationship with. But not like that. What I'm saying is, I got along with adults growing up, and it was just a lot easier for me. You know, it was simple. Not only that, but there was no contract, you know. We didn't have to be best friends. We didn't have to hang out on a Friday night. And we could stand there and have a real conversation about real things, whether it be politics relationships, relationship problems, you know, um, she would talk about her husband, I would talk about my boyfriend, when my, when my fiance had a motorcycle accident, she's the one that I went to, I developed this relationship with his mother, not knowing at all that her son had a major crush on me, and that was my mistake because I didn't want anyone to get hurt, of course. And sadly, because I didn't choose to be with the boyfriend, I ended up I ended up losing the relationship with the mother. And by the way, so that you all know, she's at ICU at a hospital, I'm not gonna say which one, which I'm sure a lot of you don't even live in Alabama, but for the ones who do would know this hospital very well because people travel all over to come to it and it's only an hour away from me, so. But anyway, um, she has had a hole in her stomach for some time. And when I say a hole, I mean, it started out as a little hole that turned into a crater. I've never seen anything like it. You would think that it was a snake bite and that they needed to, that they needed to um, pack it with something. And that's not what happened at all. It wasn't a snake bite. It was a horrible infection. She's a smoker, she's a diabetic, and she has one good leg. Which is crazy because her son actually ended up becoming diabetic, and he ended up losing one of his legs. And I hated the rumors, I really did, because they said that he was in love with his mom so much that he wanted to be just like her. And their claims was that he lost his leg on purpose. And I don't buy that at all. I think that he was scared. And I think that he thought maybe either way he was going to lose that leg. So what was the point of him trying to lose it? Uh, what was the point of him trying to save it? You know what I mean? And I can kind of feel where he's coming from. I did this video, like a little dance, you know, and I s smacked my butt a little bit and stuff, and uh, I told him, hey, everything's going to be great. 
you're gonna look just as sexy as you did uh, when you had a leg. Don't worry about it. You're gonna come out of this twice as badass as you were before. Don't worry. You're in my prayers. I love you. Love Chelsea. And I put that on his Facebook. And he took it the wrong way. And um, there was some people at the methadone clinic that I go to that now considered us to be a couple. And they... They wanted to know what was going around and, um, you know, were the rumors true? And then there was, like, guys that didn't hit on me because of the fact that they thought that I was his girl. And I didn't understand what was going on at all. And finally, his mom was like, you know, he really would be good to you. And I said, who? And I'm just going to say his name because y'all don't know any of them. But his name's Adam. And I said, oh, he's so sweet. I said, but I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't look at him like that. I see him more like an older brother or something, you know? And she said, well, he's not that much older than you. And I said, I know. I said, but, and I'm not trying to put anybody down, but he lives with his mother, you know? And I said, he... I said, I know that we lose our legs. People lose their legs every day for certain reasons. I said, I just don't think that he tried enough, you know, to save his leg. And that's a life-changing, and that is something that I would have to deal with the rest of my life. I said, I am not judging somebody who doesn't have a leg. That is not how. When I look at somebody or when I'm looking for a husband, that's not how I rate them. I don't say, okay, they've got two legs, they've got two hands, they've got ten fingers, they've got ten toes. They're definitely in the top ten for me. That's not how I rank a man. How I rank a man is how I feel for that man. And how his character is. And I said, you know, everybody reacts the way that they react to things. But as sweet as Adam was to me, I didn't exactly see him treat other people as sweet as he did to me. In fact, I ended up seeing him in a completely way one night when he was arguing with his sister. And that's what did it for me. Bam, just like that, I was like, okay, nothing's ever going to happen between us. Because I got out of the relationships I got out of, and this is what I taught my daughter. If you can't expect your man to treat you right like the way you treat him right, and expect your man to react in a manner that is sensitive and helpful towards your needs just as you are to his then you shouldn't be with him because it's like he cares more about himself than he does about you and he only cares about his needs and that makes him a very selfish man and I told my daughter I said you need to be with a man that first of all loves God and that knows how to put God first and then family second. His homeboys don't need to come first before you. His mom don't even need to come first before you. Of course, family needs to come first, okay? I said, but when you get married, you know, because I've seen it happen before. The mother-in-law gets completely involved and even goes as far as trying to pick out the house for you, trying to control how the wedding's gonna go, trying to control, you know, who's gonna take whose last name. It is your marriage, your time to shine. And if he can't respect that, then he's not the one for you. 
Now we started off talking about virginities. And here's where I'm going to end with that. It only takes one time to lose a virginity. Please hold it as long as you can. Because sex, believe it or not, is a very small part of life. There are so many more important things. And you can say all you want to and judge and say, well, obviously she's not getting none. Okay? That's not what's happening here. And that's not why I'm saying this. Because for someone that used to have sex all the time growing up, I mean, I didn't even consider myself a slut because the people I was having sex with were either A, my boyfriend, or B, it was very clear that we were just having sex and nothing else was going to come out of it. And I ended up getting hurt sometimes because of that, but I never let it show. I always, I always try to act hard and see, that's another thing. Okay, when you're a teenager, girls mature so much faster than guys, and you have to consider that, you know, what you're ready for, they're not ready for, and when you're expecting things, they're not ready to give those things to you, and when you wait for that call the next day after you had sex because something magical just took place in your life, you might not even get a text until after school where they say, Hey, what's up? I'm going out with the boys tonight, but uh, can I call you Friday? And you're like, Oh my God, is that all he's going to say? And finally, you have to say, So, was it okay? Did I do good? You should not have to say things like that. Okay? You should not have to put yourself out like that. It certainly doesn't gain you any girlfriend points. And it definitely doesn't gain you any school points when you go to school and rumors start swarming around. Because guys talk. And it's not just their fault. Because just like girls have peer pressures, guys do too. And in the boys' locker room, when they say, So, when are you going to tap that ass? Or have you already? Well, even if they haven't had sex with you, there's a very large possible chance that they're going to make the guys think that they have. And before you know it, those rumors are going to start swarming around, and you have to decide if that, excuse my language, asshole is willing to stay with. Okay? Because if any guy lies about having sex with you when he hasn't, he's not good enough for you, sweetheart. You need to move on and find somebody else that cares more about you than about what other people think and about impressing other people. Seriously. You have to take care of you. Okay? Because if you don't, you're going to get trampled on, used, and abused. I don't want that to happen to you. That's the last thing that I would want to happen. Thank you for listening to Foot of the Cross. I really hope that you take my message into a great deal of consideration. And that you go to God and seriously pray about what I'm talking about. Because it's not just teenage girls. And it's not just for teenage guys. It's for adults too. Because, yes, I had sex with a lot of guys growing up. 
And after my divorce, I went exploring. And my kids knew that I was having sex. And I wasn't being a good influence on them. My excuse to them was, I am an adult. And the decisions I make do not reflect on you. Because it is my life. And they're like, oh, but we can't have sex. And I'm like, no, you can't. Because you're not old enough to make that decision. And you are still living in my house. I was not a good mother when I said those things. Of course, what I did reflected on them. Sometimes it might have even embarrassed them. Because it's some of the people that I brought home who thought they were going to have an instant family and they watched their mom sometimes get treated like crap because of it I can't tell you how to have the Cinderella happy ending but I can tell you how to have a great beginning. And if you start a relationship by talking about sex openly and saying, listen, we're not having sex, don't expect it. And if you are, find some other girl because I'm saving it for marriage and I don't have time for going out and going against my beliefs and it getting in the way of giving it all I can to school to God and to my family so I only pray that you do good and well as a parent single or not and that you and your partner if you do have one it's very important that you both believe in the same things. I mean, heck, it was crazy at Thanksgiving just because of the fact that my dad was a Gators fan and my mom was an Alabama fan because she graduated from the U of A and he graduated from the University of Florida. So all I'm saying is that before you get married, number one, Make sure that you and your partner have the same beliefs, political-wise, religious-wise, and everything in between. And second, if you are a young girl or a young man, make sure that you both believe when it's time to have sex. Because if you're not on the straight and narrow on the timing to have sex and you don't agree and he wants it now and you don't then it's not going to work and he's going to keep pressuring you and you don't want sex to happen out of pressure because and I know that this sounds dirty but mentally you'll want to take three hot showers ask God forgiveness and it will feel like rape because it wasn't your decision. You did it out of pure pressure, my love. And you don't ever want that to be the case. Thank you for listening to another episode of Foot of the Cross. I hope that you have a beautiful day. Take care of your family. Be there for one another. And if you are a single mother like me, fight. Fight for your children like no body has fought before and see to it doesn't matter if one of your kids is making good grades and the other one is maybe slipping a little bit get them on board make sure they listen to you make sure that you're not the one running around picking up behind them I have heard every excuse in the book mom I've got a job I can't clean my room mom I've got a job and I got a boyfriend I can't clean my room this weekend mom I got a job I've got a boyfriend and I go to school I can't clean my room okay well when can you clean my room I don't know maybe 
not this Wednesday or next Wednesday, but the Wednesday after. I'm not going to say yes to that. The room has to stay done if she goes out. The room has to stay done if she wants to go to work. School comes before work. When I called her manager and I had that personal conversation with her and told her my daughter has twice now slept in and didn't go to school because you kept her out and had her clothes and she didn't get home until 1.30 a.m. And she confirmed it because I did not think that my daughter was lying to me and staying out. That woman was very respectful to me. But when I got off the phone, I found out the very next day she went to my daughter and exploited our conversation. And my daughter came home screaming at me, thinking that I went behind her back and was talking bad about her. Talking about how she was skipping school because of work and how maybe she needs to find another job and how, um, what else? supposedly I said oh she also told my daughter I said that she wasn't coming in until sometimes until 3 a.m. and that is a lie she told me that she would call me back and that the conversation would not reach my daughter's ears at all because I knew that it would embarrass her and that it would put off the wrong impression that I was trying to get in between her and her work and I know especially a first job and a work record is very important for a girl her age because when she goes to college she doesn't want to have fired on any of her applications and she has a great start and a great future ahead of her and I did feel bad about it but I shouldn't have had to because there should have never been a conversation between my minor daughter and the manager of Taco Bell. That manager, if she had a problem with what I said, should have called me, not had a conversation with the minor. Thank you for listening to me, and God bless. I'm going to end with a prayer. Father God, right now I'm feeling the fury, the wrath of Satan trying to pile on stress because he wants me to feel stressed so that I can't focus on what's really important in life. And I thank you, God, that our lives are becoming more manageable by the day, but at the same time, it feels like it's taking too long. And you know that I'm not a very patient person. So right here and right now, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that you help my parents to make the right decisions and me when it comes to where we should live, where we should go, and where my daughter should live while she goes to college. And the same goes for my son, because wherever I am, my son's going to be. My brother, of course, is getting his own place, and I thank you, God, that you help him to make a right decision, not to jump into something that he can't afford, but maybe something that he's not throwing his money away in, like renting an apartment. I told him some good advice, I believe. I said, I think at your age, at 40 years old, someone who's divorced, single, looking for a future wife after two and a half years, I said, honey, she might not like the townhouse, but if you get a townhouse and invest, and they're 60 to 80 grand in Northport, Alabama, where I live, I said, it would be a great investment. And eventually, after y'all are married, you can move out and sell it and use that money to put into your very first real home. They've got tennis courts, they've got swimming pools, they've got jacuzzis, you have a parking spot, you're allowed to have friends over. And I said, I think that would be a great start for you because if you've got good credit, maybe mom and dad can be a co-signer and that can be your first place. I said, I think it would be wonderful. He's had his first places before, but I'm talking about his first real place since his marriage. It needs to be sensible and classic. I said, a trailer for you is not the way to go. It's not attractive to a woman unless you are a single dad, you know, and a, tra- 
almost said in a truck driver, but he is a truck driver. He's just not a single dad. 